Hello everybody. Welcome to the 49th episode of Snippets. I'm Dr. Bhavani Johari, resident of Shankarnetrale Chennai and your host for today. Today we have with us Dr. Debahuti, pediatric ophthalmology fellow in Shankarnetrale, who will be talking about how to tackle refractive errors in children. Welcome to Snippets, Dr. Debahuti. Hello everyone. Today I will be discussing all about how to tackle refractive error in children. I would like to thank Dr. Minakshi Swaminathan Madam for guiding me through this talk. So coming to why this topic is relevant. Refractive error is the most common cause of reduced vision in children affecting 2 to 11% of the population below 16 years of age. It is also responsible for 60 to 80% of visual impairment in children. According to Dhone et al, the refractive errors that put for children amblyopic are greater than 1.5 diopter of astigmatism, greater than 1.5 diopter of hypermetropia and greater than 3 diopter of myopia. So, it is the responsibility of every ophthalmologist to reduce the burden of this form of preventable amblyopia and blindness. Let's see what causes refractive errors. Refractive errors have been found to occur as a cluster in families. A variety of inheritance patterns like autosomal dominant, autosomal recessive and multifactorial causes have been observed. Some genetic disorders can present with refractive errors like Marfan syndrome and Down syndrome etc. Now coming to what is the refractive status in childhood and how to measure visual acuity in children. Basically neonates are hypermetropic which is usually less than 4 diopter with minimal astigmatism say less than 2 diopter. With increasing age, hypermetropia and astigmatism reduce and emetropization is completed by 7 to 8 years of age. Okay, now let's move on the measurement of visual acuity. So, to begin with, visual assessment should be done one eye at a time using the age appropriate methods. In infant, we prefer to look for qualitative assessment like fixation preferences, resistance to occlusion and liapetals. For less than 2.5 years of age, we can use fixation and following movements, preferential looking charts by using Cardiff cards. Now, what we can do if the child is 2.5 years to 4 years? Symbol or alphabet matching cards like HOTV, LIA symbols are good options in this age group. And for older child, school going age, that is more than 4 years, Snellels or Logmer chart is a good choice. Okay, let's talk about how to assess refractive error. The pediatric population with refractive error needs regular assessment due to growth in the anteroposterior length of the eyeball till 7 to 8 years of age. Cycloplegic refraction should be carried out in all children with or without strabismus to prevent underestimation of the refractive error and also for better visualization of retinoscopic reflex. Anything that need to be done before putting drop? Yes. Extracular movements need to be assessed. Covert test should be done to rule out strabismus and search for any convergence insufficiency is there or not. Above all, thorough anterior segment examination is really important. You could do dry retinoscopy also when the child is cooperative. Now coming to dilatation protocol in children. The more commonly used regimen for cycloplegia includes 2 drops of cyclopentolate 1% and can add tropicamide along with that to add more cycloplegia. Retinoscopy should be performed about 45 minutes after the first drop is instilled. As cyclopentolate has some side effects also, mostly hallucination and delayed gastric emptying, hence avoided in an infant. So, in infants, if anyone wants to use the combination of drop like tropicamide plus phenylephrine 
plus carboxymethyl cellulose at 1 is to 1 ratio can also be used. We can use homatropin 0.5 to 1% plus tropicamide that is 1% combination or only tropicamide that is 1% for more than 1 year children. But in spite of this protocol, we have to know also what is the role of atropine as a cycloplegy. At many centers, atropine 1% IE ointment is used mostly as cycloplegic agent which is instilled in the ointment form at bedtime for 3 days before the refraction. Some children may experience flushing of face, confusion, tachycardia or an allergic reaction. The possibility of this should also be explained to the parents when atropine is prescribed for the first time. Punctal occlusion is mandatory after applying this ointment to prevent any systemic absorption. It may not be ideal also if the patient will not return. However, atropine refraction is preferable in some situations like poor dilatation, dark iris, isotropia where accommodative component is there. Okay, so since subjective refraction is not possible in most of the children, it is important to know also how to perform refraction in children. Subjective refraction can be done in older cooperative children with stable refraction but where cannot be done, there cyclopegic refraction using retinoscopy is the gold standard method. I am sure you are wondering why not autorefractometers is not very commonly used in children because it causes mild undercorrection of the hypermetropia. Also, in young, uncooperative children, to place the head onto the autorefractometer is very difficult. So, now coming to retinoscope. It basically consists of static retinoscopy. Static refers to the patient's accommodation. Child has to fix it on a target of at least 6 meter. For this common working distance of 67 centimeter is needed, which gives a working distance lens of plus 1.50 diopter. Another is dynamic retinoscopy, which is used to ensure whether cycloplegia is complete or not and to confirm the presence of residual accommodation. But one must have to know about all postmetriotic test. It is performed 3 to 4 days later following cycloplegic refraction. Atropic refraction as PMT after 21 days is usually done in accommodative isotropia and suspected accommodative spasm. But PMT is not necessary in children with mild to moderate myopia. If we compare between cycloacceptance and post-mitriatic test, a difference in sphere and spherical equivalent is noted in hypermetropic child. Post-mitriatic test has a role in compound myopic astigmatism also. Now, coming to some factors, what we have to keep in mind before prescribing glasses in children. The infants and very young children are most interested in objects at an arm's length up to them and therefore low levels of myopia are easily tolerated in infant. In contrast, school-age children may benefit from correction of low levels of myopia to meet visual demands. Regarding hypermetropia also, correction is needed earlier than myopia to fulfill the visual demand. Also, we have to be more vigilant about the risk of amblyopia in respect to the age of the child, magnitude of refractive error, type of refractive error, like hyperopic amblyopia is more common in comparison to myopic amblyopia as in myops, near vision is clear. Anisometropia is the most common cause of amblyopia in children. The presence of strabismus also plays a vital role in the decision making of glass prescription for children. But the prescription must be based on cycloplegic refraction. So, as you all know, pediatric refraction is not same as adult refraction. There are some cracks to prescribe glasses in children. Likewise, in myopia. If the children's age is less than 1 year, we have to give glasses only if the refractive error is 5 diopter or more. 
as they use near vision more than the distant vision and if age is within 1 to 3 years correction has to be given if an error is more than 3 diopter for school going age children myopia should be corrected with full correction if any child comes with intermittent exotropia then only we can overcorrect the child lastly one should remember that minimum correction is needed to give maximum visual acuity but for hypermetropia it is something different in children small amounts of hypermetropia can be easily overcome with strong accommodation hypermetropia of more than 5 diopter is difficult to overcome and uncorrected hypermetropia has a risk of developing refractive accommodative esotropia and amblyopia also in the absence of esotropia a mild undercorrection can be prescribed in both eyes equally but if esotropia is present with hypermetropia even smaller amount also has to be corrected by prescribing full cycloplegic refraction using atropine moderate hypermetropia say 2.5 to 5 diopter can present with accommodative esotropia but higher hypermetropia do not squint as accommodative effort for such a high power is not there hypermetropia less than 0.75 diopter but associated with the symptoms like asthenopia difficulty with focusing headaches may need correction also but for asymptomatic children correction is not needed suppose if child has hyperopia of less than 1 diopter but is showing poor reading skill on a regular basis please prescribe glasses now moving on to astigmatism whenever it will be associated with spherical error should always be corrected and more than 1.5 diopter also has to be corrected to prevent any meridional amblyopia next for anisometropia what you have to know you all know that hypermetropic anisometropia is more amblyogenic than myopic anisometropia so a difference of more than 1.5 diopter of hypermetropia should be prescribed early on the other hand any difference beyond 3 diopter should be prescribed early to prevent myopic amblyopia eventually a unilateral myope of up to 3 diopter will need glasses by preschool age and more than 1.5 diopter astigmatism is amblyogenic likewise hypermetropia so needs to be corrected early on the other hand it is also very important to know that down syndrome children have a higher prevalence of hyperopia and astigmatism and a higher magnitude of refractive error compared to age matched controls and high prevalence of myopia is found in predom infants also with and without ro last but not the least where children are associated with severe allergies and poor vision in one eye then also for these two situations we have to prescribe protective polycarbonate glasses but without any number now after giving the prescription we have to know what is the criteria to select spectacles frame and lenses as children don't have developed nasal bridge so frames containing lower crest larger frontal angle larger splay with flatter pantoscopic tilt will fit on them perfectly frame font should not be too wide that may cause frequent falling or loosening bridge of the spectacle should fit properly so that entire weight of the spectacle should not carry it by the crest regarding lens we have to look for the materials first like hard coated cr39 polycarbonate trivex and high index plastics other than that it should be thin light and comfortable so above all we have to remember these points also like children with hypermetropia can be prescribed cycloplegic drops also like atropine or homatropine for a couple of weeks to help relax the accommodation and get used to the high plus power but with myopia on the other hand children get used to glasses more easily astigmatic children often need convincing to start using their glasses due to a very small difference in the visual clarity on correcting small cylindrical errors
After prescribing glasses for the first time, the patient must be reviewed in 6 to 8 weeks to assess the compliance and the vision with the glasses. So, to conclude, screening for refractive error is very important in children and should be done annually. Refractive error management also is very challenging in the pediatric population. So, detection and accurate prescription of glasses in children are possible only if the ophthalmologist is aware of these basic steps of assessment and prescription. I hope this talk helps you understand the topic. Thank you everyone. Thank you Dr. Debahuti. I'm sure this talk has made our listeners better equipped to handle refractive errors in children.